Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's program. My name is Ed Taylor, and this is Calvary Live, originating right here from the studios of Grace FM. Taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number and would love to have you um, call me, text me, and let's talk about the things pertaining to life and godliness. And the way that we'll find the answers is through the knowledge of Him. And we will open the scriptures together, we'll pray together, and we will allow. Uh, be open for the Holy Spirit to minister to us and to speak directly to us uh, in in light of in light of the Word of God. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. If you have tried to get on the sh- program before in other broadcasts and you got a busy signal. Let me just remind you on any day of the week, Monday through Friday, any host, the best time to get on the air is these early moments uh, before the lines fill up and before people get on the road. Uh, The audience tends to grow as the hour progresses. So now would be a great time if you'd like. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to be uh, while we're waiting for calls, I want to invite you out to our services tonight. Uh, we have a midweek Bible study here at Calvary Church. We're in Aurora. We're on Hampton, just one block east of Tower Road. Uh, we're across the street from the movie tavern uh, and right next door to the Safeway. And we are meeting at 7 o'clock. And our midweek Bible study is similar to our weekend study Uh, in that we gather together and we study a book of the Bible verse by verse. Uh, It's a different book of the Bible than the weekend. Uh, The book of the Bible that we're studying is um, the book of Daniel. So we are in the book of Daniel. Tonight we're going to be in chapter 5. And this is the place in chapter 5 where, remember, Belshazzar is throwing a party And God meets him in that party and writes on the wall. And in this writing on the wall, he pronounces judgment on Belshazzar and on the kingdom. But one of the things we're going to talk about tonight, maybe you have some input on this uh, in, in your life, and that is... We're going to talk about the significance of alcohol uh, and what alcohol does to a person. Uh, what w- the the amazing statistics of alcohol and how 
um, damaging it really is. Unfortunately, alcohol has become a debate in the body of Christ, and the basic debate is should a Christian drink or not, uh, and they and it's always framed within um, this this kind of terms. It's always framed within uh, the legalism, non-legalism um, framework, which I think is absolutely the wrong framework. Another way, uh, and it's it's just such a red herring to say I can drink. Uh, because you telling me that I can't drink is legalism. Uh, first of all, I'm not, I'm not telling you you can't drink. Uh, and secondly, I'm not saying drinking has anything to do with your salvation. So away with the, with the lame legalistic viewpoint. Oh, you don't understand grace. And if you understood grace like I understand grace, you wouldn't be so good legalistic. Listen, I understand the grace of God. And I, I emphasize the grace of God, and I teach the grace of God here. So that's not a good argument. A second argument is the whole biblical argument. And the, the biblical argument goes along these, these lines. The, the biblical argument says, uh, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't drink because the Bible says you can't drink. Uh, and the Bible teaches uh, against drunkenness, and so you shouldn't drink. <clears throat> well, that fails in relation to its accuracy biblically. Because the Bible does not forbid the consumption of alcohol. Now again, remember there's a context to here. And so there is a context in terms of the, the Bible doesn't forbid the context or, or the, the consumption of, of alcohol, but the context isn't the kind of alcohol-saturated society that we're living in today. And I don't have time to get into that in depth, but the, it's a different context completely. However, I can agree with you um, and the Bible that uh, consumption of alcohol is not forbidden and only drunkenness is. So I, don't, I think that's a false argument. I, and to, to, I don't like going down that road of argument either. Instead, here's the argument. Here's, the, here's two arguments. And, and I, don't, I don't mean by argument like I want to argue with you, but, but rather um, here are two purpose, biblical purposes that I think. And there could be more. I could... I've, I've written on this before, and there's some things on my blog, even from pastor friends of mine, um, that, that you can look up. You can go to edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. But here, here, are two, um, here are two foundational principles that uh, I would suggest to you for drinking. And here's the banner number one. I believe it's a wisdom issue. I believe the consumption of alcohol is a wisdom issue. And you say, Ed, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't think it's a legalistic issue. I'm not trying to bind you by rules and regulations. You can do whatever you want as unto the Lord, number one. I'm not trying to bind you by rules and regulations in order to establish your salvation, number two. I'm not looking to call names and, or to be have names called because you don't have a strong argument for other than you just want to do something. So... Uh, I'm okay with all that. Uh, I'm, I mean, I've established my viewpoint on it, but if you disagree, okay. I want to suggest to you not a, not a legalistic argument, and I want to suggest to you not just the false interpretation biblical argument, like because the Bible forbids drunkenness, but not the consumption of alcohol. I'm going to suggest to you, number one, that it is a, freedom, it is a wisdom issue. And just one thing that... I think is wise 
Uh, one piece of wisdom in the Proverbs chapter 31. By the way, I'm, I'm opening up our show today, but lines are open. You can talk on this subject if you'd like. You have some input about alcohol, marijuana, um, opioids. You want to talk about, you disagree. Maybe your viewpoint, your biblical viewpoint is strong. Um, and we could dialogue about it. Um, I have no problem dialoguing about this. This is a passion of mine because of what alcohol did to wreck my life. So I have no problem talking about it and hearing your um, viewpoint biblically. And so I say, it, number one, it's not wise to drink. It's not wise to drink. You go, hey, come on, what do you mean? Well, there's a lot of things in life that we can do that isn't wise. There's a lot of things, and you choose not to do them because it's not wise. And don't, don't you know, another narrative when it comes to this is legal. Well, it's legal. If it's legal, it's okay. If it's illegal, it's not okay. But the laws of the land change all the time. So something might be legal that's still horrible for you. Uh, abortion is a great example of something that's legal in our culture and is absolutely devastating to society and absolutely devastating to the baby whose life is lost. So it's not wise to get an abortion, but it's also not biblical because there's a life in the womb. And here in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 4, it says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine, nor princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert justice of all the afflicted. Now, right away, you might say, but that's written to a king, and it's not good for kings. But actually, it's from a mom to their son. Proverbs 31 is written from a mom to her son. It actually says in verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. So it's a mom talking to her son, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's not for kings, not for leaders, it's not for you, son, to drink wine and to get drunk. He, she uses both of them because they, not only is this parallel language, but it's also progressive language because you will never get drunk Unless you drink, you, you, unless you drink, never, never. And then the warning is this, lest they drink and forget. And in his case, the law, forget. Forgetfulness uh, and really the, the suppression of inhibitions comes from drinking. And also, lest you drink and forget, and in this case, the law, but by application, it could be anything, and twist or pervert the justice of all. Um, and it's not wise. And then a second reason that I think avoiding alcohol is a good decision is that it's a freedom issue and that your love for others supersedes your freedom to indulge so you don't stumble a brother. What say you? 303-690-3000. Don't have to talk on this topic, but if you want to, great. Um, I'd love to hear what you have to say, and um, I would love to hear what your point of view is. So Morgan's calling from Larkspur and wants to chime in on the alcohol topic. Morgan, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Awesome. So yeah, I, I struggled with alcohol for a really long time Okay. Um, in my earlier years of life, yes. and uh, I got saved and really continued to struggle with alcohol and marijuana and 
you know, just all the things that the, the flesh is really drawn towards. Yes. Um, but I realized that I shouldn't use liberty as a cloak for vice because I was justifying it in my, my flesh. Yes. And um, the Word says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the closer you get to Jesus, the higher, higher your standards are because He shows you the light shines more into your life and how dirty and unclean the things are in your life. So those are the things that kind of really help me draw out yes. uh, of that darkness. And it's just the enemy attacking the church and trying to get us divided. Yes, God is wanting us to get unified. He wants us to get closer to Him, to each other. And there's a lot of division that happens through the drinking of alcohol, through the smoking of marijuana, all the things that just corrupt us. Um, those things are dead. They're gone. They're passed away. We need to reckon those things dead. Mm. And we need to reckon ourselves alive in Christ. Where is He? He's seated high, you know, at the right hand of the Father, yeah. you know. And that's where we need to see ourselves. And I'm, I still struggle seeing myself there, but the outside is getting cleaner. Now God's working on the inside, the real hard issues of how I see my, my fellow man. Yes. And it's just the cleansing that happens when you grow closer to God. And that's what God really desires, not for us to get filled with other spirits, which is what alcohol really is, is uh, evil spirits, I believe. And I don't know. Those are just kind of my viewpoints. Biblically, I try and portray them. I hope. And I know that, you know, correct. someone like you and someone like me who has that as a part of our past and it has that as um, a lot of pain and difficulty associated with it, God has actually turned that around to drive us to a deeper sense of desire for holiness in that area. And, and, and I do agree, and I, I want to be clear, I recognize in the Bible that it's not a sin to consume alcohol. I recognize that. But this s- s- culture that's saturated, check this out. I just, I'm going to share it tonight, but let me, um, let me see if I can't find it right here. I, I looked up some statistics on drinking, and uh, one of them was, uh, let's see here, let me... It, uh, I, I, there were two statistics that just um, stuck out at me. Let me see. Here we go. Here we go. Well, there's actually a few. Let me. I'll just give everyone a sneak cheek. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, but because um, Belshazzar was part of his sin was a drunken orgy uh, in def- defiling the temple instruments of God. I wanted to touch on that. It's estimated as of today that the uh, in the United States alone. Uh, you, the Americans spend over $243 billion on alcohol. Right. And, and, it's, and check this out. I found a statistic I didn't even know existed. There is something called drunk shopping habit. Drunk shopping habit. And somehow they have figured out that people spend $40 billion a year, like not just on more alcohol, but on things, $40 billion with a B, years on something that's called drunk shopping habit. That's crazy. It is. And then uh, for every person addicted to heroin, there are 15 hardcore alcoholics in our nation. And you know, all I can think about is how many starved children, how many people that Christ wants us to love on through yeah. that money that we're, the church is still involved in these things. It may not be a sin, but what's the point? There, right. There's so many things that God wants us to be doing you know 
and we just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's it, right? That's we don't it. need to be feel, filled with anything else, but our hearts are so easy to stray that we can't, I don't know, it's it just kind of, I, I want us to rise up, you know, and grow in unity and really understand that God is calling us to a higher standard. Yeah. We're called to be hot, like, our bar is supposed to be higher than everyone else's because we work for the Father, no one else. That's right. And that's, I don't want to spend any more time. I, I know there's other but Thanks for your input. To, it's appreciated. Yeah. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Lines are open for anything. We're going to go over to Trina in Baltimore. Trina, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. I've Hi. talked with you before, and and um, I, I, I'm i just um, finding, as I'm sure many people are, this season totally overwhelming, um, the season holidays. And the reason, there's a lot of reasons, but um, basically, you know, my husband passing away, my father passing away. Um, I hardly hear from my daughter. She's in another country, and and I just, you know, I, I just feel like she's in her own world. And but and even though I feel an overwhelming sadness for myself, I also feel it for my church family and my friends and my other family that have lost loved ones as well. And everything is just overwhelming and to me. And I feel like. Solomon and Ecclesiastes, you know, <laughs> what's new under the sun? I feel yes. like, what, 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 what am I doing? And and I don't even feel like what, what's my purpose? So I'm just kind of like floating, and and I'm trying to be a comfort to others, but yet, you know, I I need comfort, and and then, you know, I I pray, I pray to God, and I know God is there, but yet, I cognitively know, but I. But I wish he could be just sitting next to me. I mean, why can't he just show up like in the Old Testament? You know. And so I, anyway, I, I just want my, you know, I want prayer for this feeling that I'm sure that we are all experiencing. But also, um, how? I mean, I, I'm praying and I'm praying so hard and I read my Bible, and yet sometimes it hits me worse than others as it's doing today. Um, of course, it might have something to do with the weather as well, but. I just want to know, um, you know, how am I going to, wh- where, where is God? What's His will? What does He want from me? How does He tell me this? You know, I, I just don't want to float around into the end of the world. I want to, I want to be a, I want to be something for Him, but yet I don't, I can't find my health. I, I just don't have the strength. And I, and I said, Lord, give me the strength to, 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 to be there so that I can be Your servant. And yet. I don't know. I just feel like I'm just—I don't know. Wow, well, what an uplifting conversation! I know. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, this is where um, this is where in these deep-seated crises and uh, loneliness and pain, where faith really is it comes alive, because the Bible teaches us that in our relationship with God, we live by faith, and faith always precedes action. Sometimes we get it backwards and we think action is going to precede faith, but God is always the initiator. And so as he initiates his relationship with us, he, in, he develops in us that faith that's needed to respond to the different things that are in my, li- in my life and in your life. And, you know, I'm very sorry that you're experiencing loss, you know, these holidays with great loss. You know, I think the closer we get to heaven ourselves, the more loss we're going to experience. And the more loss that we experience, the more pain that's in our lives. You know, I, I have my mom and my dad and my son uh, all in yeah. heaven. And, sure. 
You know, as as I get older, the people I love the most are going to heaven before me, and 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 you know we've got to face these overwhelming feelings. And well, the thing, the thing, do pastor, is that um, you know God has showed Himself faithful to me. He's been good to me, and I I thank thank Him from the bottom of my heart. I'm very grateful. I thank Him every day, every morning. He's blessed me. Um, however, um, there are loved ones in my life. My, my husband is in heaven. I'm not sure about my father and my daughter, who's far away. Right. I'm, she's walked away from the faith, and I'm just really—that's what scares me. And I, I look at people on the street, and I pray for them. I'm like, who is that person? I hope they're saved, you yes. know, or as I'm driving by, you know. And I just—I feel it's overwhelming sadness for everybody. Yes. No, so, no, I don't know. And you know that's a that's a sensitivity I think too that's going to grow over time even more so because that's how God made you because you care, and because you care about people you're going to have a a deeper weight of concern for them, and it's it's also one of those things you know our emotions are very powerful, but if we feed our emotions and we uh, give life to our emotions then they'll overwhelm us because our emotions don't often tell us the truth, and. We, we are learning, aren't we, to live by faith, to trust God yes. in the moment. We're learning to trust God even when we, f- you know, so, so let's say we wake up and we feel really bad. We have, we're faced with a choice. Do I get consumed in the feelings that I'm in or do I respond by faith, trusting God that I feel bad right now and I acknowledge the truth? It's the truth. I don't, it's not like I feel good. I'm not lying. I feel bad. However, God, God is with me. I'm not abandoned. Uh, he promised never to leave me or forsake me. I'm alive, so that means that I have that God still has a purpose for my life. Uh, and I just begin to rehearse. You know, one thing that my one thing a friend of mine did that's been very beneficial to me over the years is he gave me some. He gave me uh, a piece of advice, and he said he taught me how to pray through the alphabet, and mm-hmm. to pray th- uh, through the alphabet prayers of thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, it's a very powerful practice to have where, you know, um, you begin to think maybe, maybe one day you think about family and you just do the alphabet of things you're thankful for in your family. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. the next week, things you're thankful for in God's word. Maybe the next week you're, and, and you'll find yourself con- continually um, thanking God in a place of position of reception so that it gets matched by whatever feelings you're going through. And mm-hmm. And I know that when you choose and when I choose to obey God, God always blesses obedience. And then you yeah. say, so then here's, you or those listening in might say this, yeah, but Ed, I do that and I still feel bad. Well, okay. you're not doing it necessarily. We're not obeying God necessarily to get rid of the feelings. We're obeying God and drawing near to God and abiding in Christ because of the benefit of being in relationship with him so that it's possible to be obedient and still feel bad at the same time. And I think I am drawing closer to God, and I think yes. that's what He wants. I really do. I, you know, I, I haven't been saved for very long. I grew up Catholic, and okay. not nothing wrong with the Catholic faith. But I'm just saying that I didn't. I always thought I was fine until I knew. Then, when I joined my church that I love, um, and I became saved, I said, "Oh my goodness." this is what it is. Oh, and everything opened up to me. And so I, I feel that God is drawing me close to him. And perhaps he's prepping me for something else. Right now, I'm 
you know, um, he's he's just making me stronger. I guess that's what he's doing. He is even he yeah. is making you stronger. You know, remember. Remember, Paul cried out. He had a difficulty in his life that he referred to as a thorn in his side. Mm-hmm. And when he asked for it to be taken, for the uh, he asked for it to be taken away, and God's answer was no. Instead, mm-hmm. he said, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." And while we don't value weakness all that much, um, the the weaknesses that you're facing right now, the weaknesses that I'm facing right now are in reality bringing me into a deeper, more abiding, committed relationship to Jesus Christ. And for that, we're thankful. Yes, yes, I am thankful. Can I pray for you? Yes, yes, thank you. God, I pray for my sister and many listening in right now that are in a very similar place to just wrestling with the the reality of loss and pain and loneliness and difficulty and weakness uh, in their lives and wondering what's your purpose and what could be your purpose and you know, a, a number of other things uh, that um, would be in a place of, of, of questioning, God. We're like, we're questioning what, what is it that you want to accomplish and what is it that you can accomplish through these things. And so I pray for my sister that you would reveal to yourself, uh, excuse me, you would reveal yourself to her that, God, in light of where she is in her walk with you right now, that you would strengthen her, that you would encourage her, and that you would help her grow in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Ed. I You're welcome. All righty. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. Uh, grateful uh, that you've chosen to join us today. And knowing that um, God is using uh, our time together to encourage and strengthen us. All right, let's go over to Terry in Colorado Springs. Terry, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, I'd just like to offer a little word of encouragement for your last caller, and that just to let her know that she is doing something great for God, and that's her prayer. And prayer is so important. I mean, even though she can't do anything physically or she doesn't feel like she's doing the Lord's will, she is. She is. That's so yes. true. Thank yes. you very much. What can I do for you? So my question is in the book of Daniel. Okay. Um, so we read about Daniel and his three friends um, and how uh, Nebuchadnezzar changed their names to slave names. Um, but Throughout most of the book, Daniel is still referred to as Daniel, yes. but his three friends are referred to as, in their slave names, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. And I was wondering if there, I'm sure there's a reason why the Lord put this in there, and and what you thought it might be. Well, uh, the answer to this question isn't given to us in the Bible, so we don't know for sure. Right. Um, it's a great question. I can speculate, There's a there's a speculation to this, and that's that... I think that because uh, Daniel has uh, such a greater prominence and focus in the book, that Daniel's name remains what it is. And um, for his friends, they go back, you know, some back and forth on the names that are used to describe them. That there's just a prominence. Uh, there's a prominence in um, in the book to focus on Daniel, and perhaps this is one of the ways that the author, um, that the Holy Spirit inspired the authorship of this book. Uh, in order to keep the focus on Daniel. Um, right, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. 
Well, that's what I was leaning towards, but I thought maybe I was missing something. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, where we we want uh, we want an answer, but then the Bible doesn't directly say, and then we just have to jump back and go, okay, well, what could it mean? But we don't know for sure. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, we're coming up on a break. I see a text message here. Um, uh, we're probably we only have thirty seconds. So I'll have to wait on it. Um, but it was a comment on our discussion on alcohol. So we'll get to it in a second. All right, we're coming back in just a few. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000. Give me a call. Lines will be open shortly. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. It's hard to believe how fast the show goes, but we're back already in the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, where Grace FM originates, where Calvary Live originates. Uh, shout out to everyone listening on Hope FM, on Truth FM. Of course, we have Grace FM and many LP stations. Um, if you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, uh, be sure to remember that the program that you're hearing is a week delayed in broadcast. It's a live program. So if you call me right now when you hear my voice, you will get a live person in studio answering your questions and it will be heard live on our app and throughout the grace fm radio network but on any station other than grace fm it's broadcast a week delayed Uh, and that's kind of cool because you can hear the answer on the phone when you're talking on the phone to the host but then also you can tune in in the following week and hear yourself on the air which is kind of cool but you guys listening on grace fm or listening on the app uh, grace fm app are listening live. And I want to thank everyone who participated in our Giving Tuesday campaign and request for giving. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. It's never too late to give to, uh, to the ongoing support and uh, ongoing uh, financial operational needs of Grace FM. Go to gracefm.com and slash hit donate or go to, to your app store and download the app, Grace FM, where you can listen to us live. Stay connected to us, and also give. You can give online. And so I want to encourage you, give to local Christian radio. If you're listening to this on on another station, then support your local station. But those of you listening on Grace FM, go to gracefm.com slash donate and support. Maybe put on something regular like recurring uh, that will support the ministry and keep things moving forward uh, through Grace FM, I really appreciate everyone that participated yesterday. So let let me let's go to New Jersey and just pick up K. Is it K. Ron? K. Ron, are you on the air? All right, K. Ron had a question. Uh, our producer Frank put it in. Wanted to ask a question about unclean meat, especially chicken breasts. Uh, well, I don't. I'm not an expert on unclean meat and chicken breasts. I am. Uh, somewhat versed in the Bible, 
And I know that according to Acts chapter 10, um, all foods are declared clean by God in the new covenant, and you can eat whatever you want. Again, it becomes a wisdom issue when it comes to eating as well. Um, But what God has called clean, you must not call unclean. We are not bound by the Levitical uh, restrictions uh, when it comes to meat and eating in the Old Covenant. Those were not moral laws. Those were ceremonial. 303-690-3000. Okay, so let's come back to a text question because there's an alternative view that was offered. And I hope you choose to call because this will be a good conversation. Uh, We got a sister uh, from Littleton that says, uh, before I came back to my relationship with Jesus, I was in the bar and club scene, used alcohol as an escape from the emptiness and loneliness that I felt. Shortly after my return to Jesus in 2012, I gave up all drinking and all alcohol because I didn't want that part of my life anymore. I was never an alcoholic, but I didn't want any of my past in my new life with Christ. As years went on, I got to the point where I became very judgmental and legalistic toward Christians who did have an occasional glass of wine or beer. For years, I didn't drink by choice my own convictions, but I did notice that I became overly judgmental of those Christians who exercised their freedom. And just in the last couple years, I've been able to be comfortable with having an occasional craft beer or glass of red wine. Very cautious and careful uh, where, with where I drink, though, and how I far I am from home, etc. Typically, it's the only one that that's it. I've been able to use my freedom to enjoy alcohol and not be legalistic in this process. And I hope it presents a different side of the coin. Love your program. Well, you know, you have come to a place where uh, you are able to make decisions and and be in a right relationship with God. Uh, and, you know, I think from the 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 way that your life unfolded, I, I think there's another option possible, and I would just encourage you in it, and that is you can choose not to be hyperly judgmental or uh, critical of other Christians that drink and not drink yourself. I think there's a third option. And, and I think that as you're walking through your life to, to live your life for the Lord, uh, you are recognizing the reality of what this has done to you in your past, and you can drink without getting drunk now. And, but the real question is, you know, and that's why I, hope, I wish you would call me, why drink at all? That's the real question. Like, for example, um, why not grow poison ivy in your backyard? It won't kill you. Uh, it won't hurt you. But why not grow poison ivy and, like you do with essential oils, uh, maybe rub it on your body every Wednesday? And I'll tell you why, because you don't want that feeling. You don't want, the, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not wise. And so, you know, I, I, I think that I, I don't judge you for drinking. I think, um, I think that, I think that you can be a very uh, strong, godly Christian when you have a drink here and there, and that's no, it's not not for me. But the real question that that this text really begs the question: Why drink at all? And the the answer is probably because I can and I want to, uh, which I can't really argue. But what is it that's what? Where is it that it edifies? Especially when you have to be very cautious, very careful who you're with, how, wh- why? And then the second question in this, do you still hang out in the clubs and the bar scene, but not, and I don't mean a bar at Chili's, just the clubs and the bar scene without drinking? And why, did you, why, why do you choose to go there or not go there? 
But thank you for adding it. And uh, I certainly don't judge you for um, drinking. Um, and, and may the Lord continue to bring us into a place of holiness uh, and, and, and that place of knowing that what I'm doing could really hurt somebody and choosing not to do it so that I don't hurt anyone. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, let's see where we are. We're going over to Justin. Justin in Longmont, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, hello, Pastor Ed. How you doing? Doing good. How are you today? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, so just a quick question, Bible question. Uh, okay. Sorry to change the topic. That's all right. Uh, There's no topic. Okay. Second <laughs> um, Samuel 7, uh-huh. um, verse 14. Okay. Um, and I can read that out loud. It's just a... Uh, or, yeah, go ahead. Or whatever. Okay, it's uh, the New Revised Standard Version. Um, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. Yes. So um, the reason why I found this was because I was looking up the differences and similarities between the uh, canonical Gospels, and so they brought up this Second uh, Samuel 14 in this verse saying that it was fulfilled by the Messiah and how there's, uh, you know, plenty of Old Testament scripture that relates to um, Jesus' coming and, and kind of foretells that. And so um, the question that I had specifically about this is that in my translation, and I don't know that it's different in some other translations, yes. but the sentence where it says, when he commits iniquity. Yes. So I know that, you know, Jesus, he is he is spotless, he is sinless, he is guiltless, he is the only perfect human being that there ever was, the Son of Man. And so yes. I was just like a little, I was a little confused, and so I have seen that some translations say, oh, maybe it's kind of talking about Solomon, um, David's uh, pr- pr- uh, successor. So I was just calling for, for some clarification on that. Verse. Well, pr- prophetically, any Messianic uh, reference uh, that would be given in the scriptures is imperfect at best when it refers to humans. So there can yeah. never be there can never be an absolute one to one fulfillment when a prophetic passage applies to a human being because that human mm-hmm. being is tainted by sin. Mm-hmm. So as David is a type of Christ, he's an imperfect type of Christ. As mm-hmm. anyone in the Old Testament is a is genuinely real in reality a type of Christ. At best, they're an imperfect type of Christ. And so, uh-huh. first of all, number one. Number two, the prophetic is always, it, there's always a, a duality to prophecy. It's given to uh-huh. the person, that it's real to the person it was given to, and then through the reality of that, what's given to the person, then it gets applied to Messiah. Uh, uh-huh. And so when it, this is certainly um, speaking of Solomon here, and in verse 14, where it says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Mm-hmm. The iniquity that's being referred to is directly related to Solomon. And I wonder, uh, I, don't, I don't know, um, you know, perhaps verse 13 could be messianic in some ways, that he'll build mm-hmm. a house for my name and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Um, but but the reality of the committing iniquity doesn't apply to Christ because Christ can't commit iniquity um, and is not going to be chastened with the rod of men uh, or the blows of the son of men. I mean the 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 um, 
the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was not a corrective statement by God. It was a sacrificial commitment of the Son of God. It was a sacrifice from the Father and the Son sacrificing his life. It wasn't a chastisement or a discipline upon Jesus Christ, but it was a willingness of Jesus to sacrifice his life for him. So you you don't have a one-to-one. The summary of the answer is you don't always have a one-to-one correspondent of what was given to a human being and how it applies to Messiah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, like for you. example, let let me let me get, add one more just to help you with context. Okay. When you get to verse fifteen of Second Samuel, it says, "But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed okay. from before you." So this in, isn't in any way referring to um, Messiah in the sense that it speaks directly to David, and okay. it was an episode that happened in David's life. It wasn't an episode that happens in Messiah's life. Well, yeah, thank you very much, and thank you for your clarification. Yeah, I was going through John and how it's like, um, how Jesus continually says, you know, I put I put down my life on my own accord, yes. not, not by anything else, but by my own being. And so that's why I guess I had a little bit of that, that confusion there. And thank you for, you know, summing that up, especially with, you know, going through and finding even other Old Testament scriptures that relate to that. And so that's that's totally helpful, and, and thank you so much, Pastor. Ed. Thank, thank you're you welcome. It's a great, uh, great question. Thanks for your, thanks for calling. Yes, of course. And I just had uh, one quick prayer request, just uh, for my cousin Neva. Um, just that, uh, just a prayer for her to continue to grow and uh, be strengthened by the Word, and uh, um, grow and you know be be comforted and be you know have peace and just you know all all those things that I pray for, but uh, for for my cousin Neva. Father, we, we pray for Neva, Lord, and, and all that is desired for her life. We pray for your will uh, to be poured out on her life, that you would use this time to um, draw her into a deeper understanding of who you are, and that you would um, answer the prayers, answer the prayers, Lord, that, that are offered to you considering our fa- con- concerning our families, concerning the situations in our hearts, and continue to use Justin as a witness and as a tool to bring grace and mercy into his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. I'd have a wonderful rest of your day and a blessed week. Thanks, bro. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000. All our friends on the East Coast, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. We're going to pick up in Denver. April's been waiting. April, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. How are you doing? Great. Hey, I have a question for you. I've gotten into this, um, I don't want to call it a debate, but a conversation a couple times about when you die. Um, My understanding is when you die, you leave this earth to be with the Lord, and you have no ties to this earth anymore. Okay. So what's been going on in our family is they, like, believe, oh, Grandma's here, she moved this, or Granny's here, or, oh, there's a butterfly, there's Granny. And then there's something going on on social media about this lady, and she's pregnant, and her fetus has a silhouette of her late father. Okay. So I was telling them that's just a coincidence that can't be her dad, because we as believers believe once we're... Not we, once we aren't here on this earth, we don't have any ties here anymore. Well, then 
the whole table started attacking me, telling me that I am too bold in my faith and that I um, am taking away someone else's comfort. If they want to believe that, let them believe that. And I was told them our comfort should be in the Lord, and our comfort should be knowing that our relatives are with the Lord in His presence, not here on this earth to see us all suffer. Well, we're so so, this, I, is, I, this is definitely one of those this? challenging um, opportunities that we have that really touches uh, and pricks the hearts of people, because on the one hand, like you said, there's a sense of just let them believe what they want to believe. But what kind of friends allow that? Exactly. What kind of friends allow people to believe things that at least from the, from the perspective of the Bible seem to, um, seem to teach against that? Um, I, I don't believe that the Bible allows uh, people to come back in the form of butterflies or come back to rearrange furniture um, to... Um, as a matter of fact, some of the insight that we have of the afterlife is is that there was a request from the rich man for Abraham to send somebody to go preach the gospel to his family, and the answer was no. Nobody's going back to them. They already have a testimony. They already have a witness. And the challenge, of course, is speaking the truth to without offending or overly offending, and... I think that you know you're going to get a rise out of people because they've been. I get, um, you know, I, I get. I, I might even start the conversation with the fact that I totally get, in my own personal life, the desire to have some continual uh, connection with those that I love that are in heaven, um, like a real connection, like they're still here. Because I do recognize the Bible does teach that they are alive, that they're not. And at all dead in the sense of, of, of God's definition of life, that our loved ones who have died and left their physical body, which is really the definition of death, the soul separating from the body, are very much alive in the moment, right now, as we speak. Uh, they haven't ceased to exist. They, they, they won't cease to exist. And they're alive now. The challenge, of course, is that because they've left their human bodies, how do we interact with them? And, be, mm -hmm. you know, because of television shows and, and even some really bad stuff like the idea of mediums, um, the, the, the issues of witchcraft. And, you know, I, I saw a commercial the other day for that Long, Long Island medium uh, that, you know, she, I'm sure she fully believes that what she's doing is, is true. And, and I'm sure that she has some metaphysical connection into the afterlife, but it's not with God. And it's it's not with those that have died. Um, it, it's a it, to me it's a demonic in origin. Um, all this stuff that you can talk to the dead and that the dead come back and visit your house. Um, what what instead that we're experiencing is intense memories. What okay. we're what we're what we're experiencing with our loved one is is the intense desire to have them with us. Um, what we're not experiencing is them visiting us in the form of a, of a butterfly or moving the furniture around. Um, the Bible is does leave room for their for pos the possibility of their ability to see us or to uh, somehow watch our lives. The Bible doesn't really shut that down. 
that doesn't that doesn't really benefit us very much um but perhaps it's part of the heavenly gift um you know where the angel were surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses uh, perhaps that great cloud of witnesses are literally witnessing us now um i know in context that passage really refers to people that have gone before us um mm -hmm. and their lives are a witness to us um but the reality is of the possibility of that verse being shifted to an application of witnesses observing our lives that's a possibility but the challenge is to communicate it how do we communicate it and i know over the years i've i've attempted to communicate these types of things by validating the grief by validating the reality of loss mourning you know if we're t i'm talking with unbelievers i want to use it as a bridge to bring about the hope of life death and resurrection but I'm not okay. surprised. So all that to say, I'm not surprised by the response. I'm not surprised by the, the, the demonstrative response because anyone that's lost someone wants to have an ongoing relationship with them. Um, mm -hmm. they, they want new experiences with those that they loved. Um, and I don't believe that that's a, a norm. It even brought up the fact that I am too bold and that I steer people away from the faith, which I don't know if that was an excuse or I'm just trying to preach light and truth into people's lives. But I guess when it's like a conversation like that, they they don't want to hear that. They want to continue believing what they feel is comfortable to them. It's true. And depending on the relationship you have with them, you may, you, you may, so, so, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the identification that you're bold. Okay. Let me suggest, I'm not saying this, I'm just giving it to you because I don't know for sure, but let me suggest that what they're trying to say is that you're insensitive with your faith. I bet you that's a good word. Yes. And they're not, they're, they're not. They don't have the right word for it, so for them it's just bold, and you're just turning people away because you don't know how to tell me that, you know. And they're not—they're not able to communicate that, and and so what that becomes is I'm not going to be offensive, offended at that. I'm not going to be defensive of that, although I might at the beginning, but rather I'm going to turn it into a prayer and say, God, I want to be bold, but I also want to be sensitive, and or even maybe for, forget what Ed said. Maybe the prayer becomes, God, what did they mean by that? Would you reveal that to me? Would you reveal what did I do or how did I do it? Was it just the truth I shared or was it how I shared the truth? And God, just help me to deliver your truth better. You know, you can turn this into something where God, you can open yourself up to improving delivery because we all make, believe me, I've been doing this a long time and I still make serious mistakes on my delivery and I just want to keep getting better at it. Um, I want to keep growing in it and and maybe they're they're trying to communicate something to you more so than just you offended me and I don't want to hear about your Jesus and I don't believe you know it could be that bad but maybe they're maybe the Lord's just saying well let's go let's try to deliver it in a backdoor way or let's try to maybe that time the you you've got a a, a friend of mine has a phrase where you earn the right to to you earn the right in someone's life to answer their questions. You know, and of, of course, if you know these people a long time, you've probably already earned that right. But if it's a coworker or somebody, it's a brand new topic. So, you know, the thing too is that when you have a long-term friendship, but you start talking about a brand new topic, it might take time to earn a voice on that particular topic. And 
And so perhaps that's it, but it doesn't surprise me because it, it's, it's such a sensitive topic. And, you know, what they say is, why can't we just let them believe what they believe? Could be yes. you just hurt them and you're just hurting them, trying to tell them that they can't love their loved ones. When in reality, you're, you're saying just the opposite. You're saying, man, not only do I want them to love and miss their loved ones, but I want them to do it in a way that's truthful mm-hmm. and honest. And, and uh, you know, and another thing that I like to do, and again, I'm not perfect at this, so I wish I was, but I'm not. But turning that conversation into a question, um, especially if you're talking with people that say they're believers or say, like, you know, I, my, um, I miss my grandmother so much, but I felt her presence in the house and, and I know she was there because the ashtray moved or something. And, and, and the question becomes, wow, that sounds like an amazing experience. Uh, were you scared? And, and no, I wasn't scared. I knew it was, and so do you think that was a real visit from your grandmother? Yes. And so where in the Bible would I see something like that? Okay. Or something along those lines that would draw out for them where did you get this? You know, because I could say, where in the world did you get this belief? Or I could say, where in the Bible is that? Because I don't remember anything in the Bible of God telling us that after someone passes away, they could come and visit us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might get the response where, well, you know, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe, but at least you did it in such a way where it caused them to think about it. Okay. And they're going to have to come to their own conclusion. And you said that the conclusion's in the Bible. And so there's a variety of ways, but I think that speaking the truth in love is something, I, I don't think it, I know that speaking the truth in love is a command of God. And I, even if we make mistakes, our heart is not to hurt people, but it, to convey the truth. So it's better that you tried uh, and got that response than, than you keeping silent. Yeah. And yeah, I just, you know, if you can, I would ask for a prayer about just my tone and delivery when I'm speaking the truth in love. Yeah. God to work on me in that aspect because I love him and I just want to preach his word to everyone what I know and I guess I'm supposedly pushing people away with possibly yeah and probably not so much know. that but just like and even if you had the best delivery they killed Jesus for the best delivery right yeah. <laughs> there the, nobody right. could deliver the truth better than Jesus Christ and he was mm-hmm. crucified for it and and we can never forget that because we might put a lot of pressure like it's all our fault. It may not be your fault at all. But even if it's not your fault at all, like I, I know I went through a season as a believer where I was really interested in getting the truth across. I was really interested. Maybe you could even say I was more interested in winning the argument than winning the person. And I had to learn that it it doesn't matter if I win the argument. And it doesn't even matter if people agree with me. I can plant seeds. I can water seeds but it's God that gives the increase. Amen. And I've certainly offended people by sharing the truth. It wasn't my intent, but I certainly have offended them. And I certainly have delivered things in the wrong way before. Um, and I think that's the, I, I think that that's normal and we can only get better at it, not worse, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. So let me pray for you as we close up today's program. So father, I, I pray for my sister. I know many people like April, like me, we want to deliver your truth in a way that's non-offensive, but we're not always perfect at it, and we don't always hit the mark. And so I just pray you'd help us. Um, I pray that you that you would refine us and help us to learn how to better deliver the truth. And, and um, you know, we don't want to offend people. We, we want to, to grow. Um, we want to 
reach more, not less. So help us, Lord, to surrender to you and walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of our flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Th- thank you for your time. You're welcome. Let me, let me end with this. Don't beat yourself up. Okay. All right. It could have been you, but it could not have been you. But your heart to ask the question just tells me whatever it was, you have surrendered to the Lord and he's going to take care of you. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we are uh, coming to the end of today's program. I mean, that fast. Um, great discussions, alcohol. Uh, we, we talked about some good Bible questions. We talked about how to deliver the message. We talked about a... a question about Daniel and his friends um, and feeling alone and prayer life. So thank you guys for participating. I'm inviting you out. Come on out and join us. It's a part of our midweek Bible study worship. We're in the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking at a drunken party and the judgment of God upon a drunken party. And, uh, you know, my point tonight will not be uh, to be hypercritical but rather to reveal the truth of what happened in a real uh, occasion in the life of God's people um, or people that should have known God and how he revealed himself. And God is still revealing himself today. He's allowing his word to come alive in people's lives. So please don't give up sharing and loving, especially around the holidays. And be sensitive, because I know the Holy Spirit will lead you and encourage you. So thanks for joining me. I'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock. Church opens here at 6 uh, because our Cafe Resurrection Coffee is open uh, around 6 or so. So come on out. We'd love to serve you and encourage you in Jesus. And so thanks. God bless. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.